Right now, many churches are planning their budgets for the next fiscal year. You can promote your confessional Lutheran church and support the worldwide outreach of issues, etc. by becoming a congregational sponsor. When your church pledges $1,000, we'll publicize your congregation on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Learn more on the support donate page at issuesetc.org. Don't miss your congregation's budget deadline. Become an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. We're a little fuzzy. Even Christians are a little fuzzy on what eternal life actually means. Does the soul survive death because the soul is indestructible or somehow immortal while the body is mortal? Does the Bible teach something like that? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. What is the source of eternal life? We're going to answer that question with Dr. David Scare. He's professor of systematic theology at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and author of the book Christology in the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatic Series and a column for the Lutheran Witness magazine titled Christ at the Center of Our Eternal Life. Dr. Scare, welcome back. Well, thank you, Todd. It's good being with you. You say that life beyond the grave is only one aspect of eternal life. What do you mean by that? Well, what that means is that eternal life is not just expecting something in the future, but it begins now. And all of the components, or some of the components that we'll have after death, we already possess, in that we have the Holy Spirit, and we know Jesus, and we know the will of God for us, as in the Scriptures. So it's not as if it's going to be a completely different type of a situation. Basically, it is a transition within one reality. It's, it's, it's one reality and not two realities. Or should we put like, there'll be no surprises. Or you might use musical terms and saying it's basically modulating. I'm not a pianist or a piano, but sometimes in the congregation, singing the hymns and they go a little flat, the organist has to modulate it, goes up a key or two. So you're not listening to a, a different or new melody. It's the same melody, but at a different level. What is the Christian concept of eternal life? First of all, the concept of Christian life belongs to us because we have been created in the image of God. And uh, the rest of creation does not share in the image of God. And, of course, that's both the blessing and the curse that man has. And that is because he has the image of God, he is able to see things the way God does. And that uh, for the rest of the creation, uh, I don't mean the inanimate creation, but the animate creation, animals, for them there is no yesterday and there's no tomorrow. But we understand both yesterday and tomorrow. We understand we did not exist before we were born. We have an understanding that there is a day before we are born, and uh, it would be hard to deny that after we die, there is something afterwards. Of course, the ancient religions all had to do with what's going to happen to me when I'm going to die. That's a question about time. And what is striking to me anyway 
is that this generation has pretty well blotted out the idea that there is anything at all after death. What about unbelievers after death? Well, that's the sad thing. And uh, this year, I don't know how many of your listeners go to churches that have the pericope system, but this year, St. Michael's Day fell on the same day, Sunday, as they had the um, they had the parable of the rich man Dives, who was in hell, and Lazarus, who was in heaven. And what this meant is that so many of our churches celebrated St. Michael and all angels, and didn't take the ordinary gospel reading, which is that one of Lazarus and Dives. It's an amazing pericope that needs to be preached. For this reason, it may be the clearest section which speaks about what happens to unbelievers at death. And afterwards, too, they are aware of time. Well, you know the account, how Dives is in hell, and he looks up and he sees Abraham, and he sees Lazarus in his bosom. And he asked Abraham that he would send Lazarus to put his fingers in some water and to touch his tongue. And of course, the answer is that you cannot go from one state of existence to the other state of existence. And all he wants, the rich man in hell, the only thing he wants is just to have a taste of water on his tongue. And then the account ends with the rich man asking Abraham to send Lazarus to earth to his five brothers, who apparently are also living in luxury and not caring about anybody else, to which the answer is that this is not going to happen, that even if it should happen that a person should come back from the dead, they would not believe. So unbelievers have an existence after death, but it is an existence without God, and it is very, it's a very uncomfortable one. And speaking about being uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable that many preachers do not want to bring up the topic at all. There's the account of a, a young man in his first year of seminary who was preaching about Jesus being tormented in the wilderness by Satan. And the young man in his seminary sermon class said that Jesus suffered the pangs of hell. And when it came time to provide a critique, the instructor called him out for even bringing up the concept of hell or the existence of an uncomfortable existence after death. Why does a right understanding of eternal life require us to acknowledge God as the only source of life? Well, from this point of view, if you acknowledge God, he has to be the source of life. He is not simply another player on the stage, and that he is the creator of all things. This begins with the first article of the Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty. And I'm not so sure that this is a very prominent thought 
among many people the idea that God is the creator. And from his concept of creation, we get the concept of redemption because he redeems what he, he redeems what he created. That's both the blessing and the curse of being a human being, and that we share in God's concept of time. We came into existence. God never came into existence. He is essence. He is existence. He is life. But we are able to comprehend that. And it's the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a marvelous book in the Old Testament because it looks at life apart from being from being a Christian. It's the book of Ecclesiastes. People who are un, it shares the idea of a person living a life in this world and how he or she looks at that life. And uh, what God is in himself, he shares with us. After the fall into sin, he returns that life to us in the person of Jesus Christ, who says of himself that he's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the life. He is the person from whom all life is generated, and he is the person to whom all life is obligated, and he is the life to which we are all going. I'm not so sure that we think of that in, in those particular terms. Many Christians believe that we survive death because while our bodies are mortal, our souls are immortal. Is this true? Well, it's true, and it's not true. And that is um, supposedly among the Greeks, uh, the soul continues to exist after death, but the body is deteriorated. And so it happened in, in the Corinthian congregation that there were some people who were denying the resurrection of the dead. They were denying this because of supposedly of the philosophy of Plato or Platonic thought that the world of the spirit is superior to the world of the physical. Well, when you do a little searching around, you find out that most Greek philosophers believe that there was absolutely no survival after death of either the body or the soul. Now, it does seem that among Christians, there is a belief that the soul lives on apart from its part from the resurrection of the body. And here we have to be very careful because at the death of a Christian, the survivors are asking the question, where is my friend? Where is my family member? Where is my husband? And so we can say that they are with Christ. St. Paul speaks about being at death, being with Christ. At the same time, this does not mean that that is the last step in our existence, that our death with the soul going to Christ is the last step in our existence. Rather, the final step is the resurrection of the body. And so um, it all comes to the surface when uh, a pastor has to preach a funeral sermon. And so he says two things, that the departed is with Christ and that the departed who is with Christ 
looks forward to all other saints to the day when they will be reconstructed in perfection in the resurrection from the dead. And so it is in our creed. And I believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting. Dr. David Scares, our guest. He's professor of systematic theology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. We're talking about eternity with Christ. He's also author of the book Christology in the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatic Series and a column for the Lutheran Witness magazine titled Christ, the Center of Our Eternal Life. We'll discuss some more mistaken ideas about life after death after this. Theology for Blue Collar, White Collar, and Clerical Collar. You're listening to Issues Etc. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible. Is the Issues Etc. a book of the month for November? This new resource will help you navigate God's Word with clarity and confidence. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. Or browse before you buy at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible. I'm Chaplain Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Congregations work hard to keep the Word of Christ dwelling richly in His disciples now and into eternal life. We work to help and support that effort. Learn more at lcms.org worship. You'll find resources on the church here, Bible studies on the hymns of the day, audio helps for learning to sing our services, and look for worship planning resources to find the latest from LCMS Worship. That's lcms.org worship. May the word of Christ dwell richly in you. This is Pastor Tyler Arnold of Village Lutheran Church in Ladue, Missouri. The Saints at Village are proud to be an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. If you are in the St. Louis area, join us for the Divine Service at 8.15 or 10.45 a.m., Bible study and Sunday school at 9.30 a.m., as we receive Christ's promise of salvation and forgiveness through word and sacrament. You can find us at villagelutheranchurch.org. Village Lutheran in St. Louis welcomes you. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Christ Lutheran, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Faith Lutheran, Waterloo, Iowa, Gloria Day Lutheran, Davie, Florida, Lutheran Church of Our Savior, Cupertino, California, Logos Lutheran, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Redeemer Lutheran, Jackson, Wyoming, St. John Lutheran, Hutchinson, Minnesota, St. Paul Lutheran, Hillsdale, Michigan, Trinity Lutheran, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Zion Lutheran, Pampa, Texas. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about eternity with Christ. Dr. David Scare is our guest. He's author of the book Christology 
in the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatic series. This book includes topics like the past and present Christological controversies, Christology in the preaching of Jesus, the sacrificial death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ, and more. You can find out more about Christology, Confessional Lutheran Dogmatic Series by Dr. David Scare at lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. Dr. Scare, what are some other mistaken ideas about life after death? Well, <laughs> I am sure that your listeners know quite a bit about that, simply because uh, a lot of us, your listeners, uh, may have gone to we all go to funerals. Even though the person may be a Christian, the funeral turns into be some kind of uh, eulogy about what the individual is doing. I have one particular thing in mind, and that is uh, Harry died, and I was at the funeral service, and uh, the preacher said, Harry was a very friendly, outgoing person, easily making friends. So uh, the preacher said that Harry now is, and the passage was in my house, in my father's house, there are many mansions, that Harry was going from room to room speaking with people. (laughs) So what you do, what happens in this particular case, if the people believe there is an afterlife, They project the things which they enjoy doing now or what characterized the deceased. And they put that in the perspective of the afterlife so that we're doing basically the same kind of things that we're doing now. I suppose you need some kind of hope or comfort, but that's not the way it is. The way it is at death we go into a different type of existence. It will not be agnostic in the sense that we don't know. This will be a completely new thing. It won't be completely new because certain persons whom we knew on earth will recognize them, but will not recognize them in the same way. And so Jesus said to the Sadducees that in the next life, There won't be any marrying nor giving in marriage. It means life is going to go on in a different way. The one thing about the the Sadducees, it's frequently believed, held that they believed in the existence of the soul after death. So they followed Plato. This may not be completely true. They probably believed in absolutely nothing at all. That when life came to an end, that was it. That's what's so amazing about the Gospels, that they actually preserved the tension that Jesus had not only with the Pharisees, which takes up most of the material, but this one case with the Sadducees. See, Jesus is approaching death, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who did not agree with one another at all, the Pharisees were more like fundamentalists fundamentalistic and believe in everything that the Bible had to say, but they thought that they were fulfilling the law of God. And the other crowd was the Sadducees. The Sadducees were politically motivated, very cultured, completely at home in the Greek culture. And so they were going to get Jesus on two points. 
then they agreed to how they were going to put him in a corner. And the Sadducees wanted to ask him this question. If a man dies and has had, I don't know, five wives or seven, to whom will he be married to in the resurrection? And the answer that Jesus gave is in the next life, the institution of marriage will not exist. He didn't say we weren't going to exist. There's always theological tension in the church. And Jesus himself existed in this theological tension, especially as he approached this crucifixion. And even though he, they were absolutely astounded by the way he answered them, rather than saying, pointing out whether it was if he was married to the first or the second wife, uh, he said, in heaven there will be no marriage or giving, giving in marriage. That phrase seems to be taken from the book of Genesis in describing the days before the world was destroyed by flood. Genesis puts it like this. In those days, there were people marrying and giving in marriage. So the ordinary course of this life, the way we do things, will be superseded by a different type of existence. Uh, by the way, there must have been a, a whole a large group of people around there, the scholars. This, this, was, this, uh, this was not a casual conversation. The Pharisees get there, uh, their pick at Jesus, by asking him, how can the Messiah be both David's son and Lord? It's amazing how the theological tensions that we experience today were pretty much the same as what Jesus did, had experienced. You said early on that eternal life for the Christian has already begun. When does it begin for the Christian? The promise begins with baptism. And so uh, here we can say a word about infant baptism and the life of a child even before baptism. In the case of those who die before the infants who die before they are, the natural life, everybody who possesses the natural life because he is God's creation is also intended by God to possess the supernatural life, which has no end and which is given in baptism as soon as our natural life begins. Of course, that's exactly what we do, or we're commanded by Jesus, but we are to baptize all people. It's a continuation. It's not a separation. Eternal life has two dimensions. The one dimension is that which is regulated by the time we are living in now. And the other dimension is the life which we have when we leave this existence and go into the next. And on that account, what is so amazing among uh, our church members, among believers, is this. That when they face the inevitability of death, they have an entirely different attitude than those who are unbelievers. The unbeliever doesn't, doesn't want to face the issue. The believer, he has the same trepidations that the unbelievers do, but believers know that there is a life that is going to continue into the next world after they die. Well, you have it in the case of Stephen in the book of Acts. And Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. An amazing statement. I mean, he puts the life after death 
at a higher level than with the life which he's living now. How does knowing that we have already begun eternal life change the way we see our lives today? Well, what happens is that the person whom you describe as having eternal life now, he sees that the uncomfortable things of this life are not the essential things. He sees beyond the troubles of this life, whether it's divorce, whether it's death, or whether it's a, a bad diagnosis from the doctor, whether it's a loss. He sees that there is another reality. And so he lives a more comfortable life, not that he's without problems, but he doesn't run away from the world because he sees within the world, he sees that God is taking him to a higher level and gold. Well, that's one of the great things about being a parish pastor, being a minister, and that is uh, we deal with people who are totally comfortable with themselves and their faith. In one episode in my life that sticks out, when I was a pastor in Gillespie, Illinois, there was a man by the name of Mr. Ewanson, and he, uh, he was on his last legs. And I visited him in the hospital in Litchfield, which is on Highway 55 or the old US 66. We had the customary communion service and visit. And the weather was beginning to turn bad. And Mr. Ewanson said to me, Pastor Scare, I think it'd be best because of the impending weather that you, that you leave now. And I want to thank you for everything which you've done for me because this is the last time we're going to see one another. I was so moved by that particular episode. I have never forgotten it. And I can even tell you the year. The year was 1963. It was the same weekend that President Kennedy was assassinated. So that's very firmly set in my mind. That what other people run away from, the believer embraces. Finally, how is the resurrection the fulfillment of our baptism? The resurrection is the fulfillment of baptism in this sense. And that everything that, that belonged to us and that would have belonged to us if Adam had not sinned, is returned to us in a more glorious way than Adam could have ever experienced it. For this reason, because we just do not share in a kind of resuscitation of the body, but the resurrection, which is our goal, this is a resurrection which Christ has already accomplished in himself. And by being baptized, we have been placed into him not just into him in a kind of a religious way, but we have been placed into his resurrection so that his resurrection now is our certainty. The certainty that he has been raised from the dead is also our certainty that we will be raised from the dead. Dr. David Scare is professor of systematic theology at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's author of the book Christology in the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatic Series, and a column for the Lutheran Witness magazine titled, Christ, the Center of Our Eternal Life. The Lutheran Witness interprets the world from a Lutheran perspective, 
An annual digital and print subscription is less than $20. Learn more at cph.org slash witness or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040, the Lutheran Witness Magazine. Dr. Scare, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. When we return, Dr. Charles Camosi, Professor of Medical Humanities at Creighton University School of Medicine, will join us to discuss The Guardian's recent attempt to dehumanize the unborn. Right now, many churches are planning their budgets for the next fiscal year. You can promote your confessional Lutheran church and support the worldwide outreach of issues, etc. by becoming a congregational sponsor. When your church pledges $1,000, we'll publicize your congregation on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Learn more on the Support Donate page at issuesetc.org. Don't miss your congregation's budget deadline. Become an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. We know that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Concordia Publishing House offers more than 8,000 products for churches, schools, and homes, dedicated customer service, and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most. Click to connect at cph.org. Concordia Publishing House, listening, responding, providing for God's people. Concordia Publishing House, cph.org. Christ-centered, cross-focused, you're listening to Issues Etc. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod cares deeply for those who protect our nation. Are you or a loved one currently serving? Ministry to the Armed Forces would like to help. We provide devotional literature to encourage faith. Send your mailing address to lcmschaps at lcms.org or call us at 314-996-1337. Those in uniform are comforted with Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. Did you know that Luther Academy has been providing continuing education for confessional Lutheran pastors and laypeople worldwide for more than 20 years? Luther Academy publishes Logia, the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatic Series, and Luther Digest. Find out more about Luther Academy and sign up to receive their free email newsletter at lutheracademy.com. Lutheracademy.com and like them on Facebook, facebook.com slash lutheracademy.com. 